1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian's Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph and I'm going to be your host over the next hour. And uh, this is episode 42 of the Canadian's Connection podcast, the Sven Andraghetto edition. And I'm pleased to be joined, as always, by my uh, phenomenal co-host, uh, the Sven Andraghetto to my Alexander Perizogan. Mr. Rick Stevens, how's it going, Rick?
2: I love the Parrish Hogan reference. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm I'm great. It's uh it's a lovely summer day in Montreal. Uh, the Bell Center is just a hub of activity right now. Um, n- not necessarily the the kind of activity the Canadians fans want. But uh, uh, yeah. Jennifer Lopez was was at the Bell Center last Wednesday. On Monday, it's the Backstreet Boys. Tuesday, it's Heart. Wednesday it's Steph Leopard, so okay, well, just one after the other. <laughs> that, that doesn't help Canadians fans, I know, no. I know, I know.
1: Yeah, but you know, some music is often a you know, they play music in between whistles at halves games, and you know, it kind of takes everyone's mind off of what's happening on the ice, or at least in recent years. Uh, so at least they hey, have you a, saw a, a great summer.
2: concert in Vancouver. When we I were did,
1: up. electric light orchestra, Jeff Lynn. One of my favorite musicians, uh, of course, is the Traveling Wilburys as well. Just a, just a great underrated musician, in my opinion. And uh, Danny Harrison, George Harrison's son, obviously George Harrison, the Beatle. He was there as well. He has a band and he, uh, he was the uh, opening act for ELO and played, uh, played Handle with Care with Jeff Lentz. That was awesome. Nice. But yeah, music is a nice distraction from sports, which is a nice distraction from life. It's, every, it all, it's full circle, everything. Uh, so we've got a great show lined up here today it was looking as though it was going to be a little bit of a lighter week with Habs news but luckily we had a pair of signings that we can talk about we still have some fallout from the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet I know that some people are a little bit tired of hearing about the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet but as long as news is coming out about it we're going to talk about it, and uh, there is certainly a lot to talk about with that. And, and uh, yeah, so that, that's most of the show. We're also going to look at, are the Habs improved? We have the question of the week, which I'll throw out there right now, with Bergeron adding Sherratt, Cousins, Kincaid, and trading Shaw. Are the Habs a better team than last season? And, of course, we always appreciate connecting with our listeners via social media, Twitter, and Facebook. But there are other ways that you can connect with us.
2: Absolutely. Um, we're a live show. Every Saturday at 1, you can call the studio at 213-943-3754. That's 213-943-3754. We know a lot of you love to listen on demand um, and text us. Uh, and that Rocket Sports uh, text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. And we're getting a, uh, that that. that uh, text box was uh, was uh filling up this week uh lots of of uh, fan opinions on uh the offer sheet obviously um yeah. but I think the nicest um and maybe when w- if we have time we'll get to some of them. The nicest ones uh were from uh fans who are were very complimentary in in last week's episode uh that uh saying that we spelled things out so uh so clearly and providing them with information that they weren't getting uh elsewhere. Um my my um uh, I think my favorite text last week was about um Andreas Engfist uh which was <laughs> anyway, we, we we might get to that. But um, just back just back to uh the text in last week's episode. Um I we'll, we'll say thank you at at the end of, but I, but I just want to say thank you right now. You you can never say thank you too often, right? Um no. Last week the, we affectionately uh called the episode uh the um Ajo Fiasco episode. And it was yeah. it's it was by far the most listened to uh episode of the calendar year for Canadians Connection, actually right across the the, the Rocket Sports Radio podcast. Um and I just have to say though that, that um we thank you for uh, taking the time to listen. We're grateful that you subscribe. We're grateful that you're telling your friends. We're grateful that um, uh, the, the listenership is, is rapidly growing. Um, and, and we're going to continue to, uh, to uh, give you the information that you aren't getting elsewhere. We we're, we we report uh, information as accurately as we can. And, and um, from, sources that you can trust uh, around the league. So just a, a, a big thank you for um, uh, uh, making this uh, uh, <laughs> such a, a, an amazing growing podcast. Uh, and it has through the year and, and, uh, but over the uh, the off season, it's just uh, exploded. And so thanks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can never say thank you. As you said, you can't say thank you enough. And uh, to all of our listeners, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, so I guess with, with that in mind, we'll dive in and provide some information. Uh, and that was, <laughs> I guess, the biggest piece of news that came out of this week. And, you know, going into this off season, I think if you ask most Habs fans who were the two biggest fish to fry for Mark Bergevin in terms of his own restricted free agents, most would probably say Yoel Armia and, and Arturi Lekinen. And for whatever reason, those were the two that took the longest <laughs> to get back and uh, and come to terms to an agreement. And they got they handled Kulak pretty early on. They handled Mike Riley, which was a surprise for some, but they got to Armia and Lekanen, and they signed them both within about what an hour or so of each other with uh, Armia mm-hmm. signing a 2-year, 5.2 million dollar deal. That's a 2.6 annual average value and you have Lekanen just a little bit below that, 2 years, 4.8 AAV uh was was that the ballpark where you thought that they would land in terms of of a number for for both of those guys 5.2 Armia and 4.8 for Lekanen
2: I think so um they're relatively in in the same ballpark uh you might have wondered about uh a little bit longer term um yeah and uh that's that's the only thing that um that that i would have liked to have seen but but um other than that i i thought they were right in the ballpark good to have them uh sewed up i i, I think i mentioned on this podcast or elsewhere they were likely to be um re-signed um before their arbitration hearing um yeah. you know armia he re-signed last year before his ar- um, arbitration hearing in fact Uh, I think I think of the 44 uh, that that went that were scheduled to go to arbitration last year, 40 signed ahead ahead of time. Uh, I think only four actually went to arbitration. So um, uh, it you kind of knew that it was going to uh, get done. Uh, It did get done a little disappointed with uh, some of the the comments out there uh, questioning the the value of uh, these players to the team. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I think it was great to get them, uh, all done and sewn up.
1: Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, there are so few players that, that go that like, and, and nowadays, especially, it seems like not many players are going to arbitration. I think that's a conscious effort on both sides because arbitration that can put a bit of a strain on a relationship between a player and a franchise, because you're essentially saying, well, I'm worth this and the franchise saying yeah, maybe not maybe not maybe you're not worth as much as you think you are and and that can sometimes lead to some friction i'm not suggesting that that would have happened in this specific scenario but across sport that's something that happens so generally probably a good idea to try to avoid arbitration if you can and also yeah you mentioned it i i, I can't get into that mindset where you're looking at joel ermia and arturi Leckin and and not think of them as important pieces to that team last year because those two guys were stabilizers really i mean early on and for you it's very cut Kniemi especially those two guys were very good for him and and obviously with their possession numbers they were good for anyone that they played with and it didn't necessarily show with leconin's goals and points and all that and that's where most people are looking at unfortunately when it comes to players and and what they should be getting but beyond what they bring to the table from the possession uh, possession point of view and Arturi Leckanen was probably part of the Canadians best line down the stretch with Max Domi and Andrew Shaw you're looking at a guy that is responsible in his own end so is Yoel Armia I I love this deal for for the Montreal Canadians just to get these guys back like you said I I wouldn't have minded going in and seeing if you couldn't get them on a longer term, maybe they explore, explored that and, and that wasn't something that the players were interested in. But regardless, I, I like the deal. I like getting them both back and and they were very important pieces last year. So uh, that's, that's one myth to uh, dispel early on.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, you were used the word stabilized and it uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a great word. I, I think um, as you said, it was kind of split up over um, their effectiveness, or particularly with with Lekin and his effectiveness yeah. over two parts of the season. The first part of the season was um, uh, just helping um, uh, yes Kanaemi, and and there were some question marks about uh, you know how he would react to the the transition to the NHL. Could he play the full? Uh, sket of games and and um, they were they were impactful there and then in in March when um, you know it was clear that duran wasn 't doing anything and and um, uh, hadn't uh, since the beginning of february and and it was it was after one of those give giveaways by Duran that turned the game um, that uh, julien made the the choice in moving lechanen with uh, with uh, uh domian shaw as you said and and that line was yeah you know, right to the end of the season as you said was was uh one of the best and and julian said um Lackanen stabilized that line um yeah. needed somebody that was going to um uh, be good defensively uh go in and and not only defensively he's he's uh very good on re- retrievals uh uh forechecking um, that is Lakenin. Um, he plays hard every shift and um, as, as Julian said kind of a little snake bitten um, but he was still creating opportunities for his line mates and making his line mates better and it was rubbing off on them remember uh, Domi had kind of got into a, a bit of a, a funk and and uh, wasn't, was, was not playing well defensively and, and improved after Lackanen was uh, added to the, the lineup. As far as the offensive contributions, I think something too, that's uh, often overlooked with wins being key. Um, and, you know, with, as we know, the, the Canadians missing out on the playoffs by a whisker, our, our Turi and, um was tied uh, for the top, uh, for the top spot as far as game winning goals for the Canadians last season. The goals he scored, yeah, you may you might complain that um, that you'd like more of them, but the games that he scored, the, the goals that he scored were key. He's a clutch player, yeah. and uh, nice to see him get all uh, get uh, resigned.
1: Yeah, and, and I think if you were, if I were a betting man, I would bet on a bounce back here offensively uh, in terms of the frequency of goals for Arturo Lekkinen. As you say, he he did come up huge when it mattered for the Canadians. So I think that maybe you'll see a little bit more of that next year. But that was only if I'm a betting man. I'm not a betting man. I don't, I don't bet. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, anyways, but I think, yeah, I think I agree with you. These are, these are two guys that you needed to get back for this team. And, uh, and it's, it's good that they got done. Uh, so moving on, there was also a bit of news that kind of shocked a couple of, well, a lot of hockey fans. And that was that Steve Simmons reported that Don Cherry could potentially not be returning to Hockey Night in Canada for this upcoming season. And he wrote one thing that hasn't been confirmed for next season of Hockey Night in Canada, the return of Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. And he cites the, the driving forces of, of all of, of, of that happening or potentially happening is that Rogers are cutting costs, and that included Bob McCowan on radio and television and cherry is quote unquote, handsomely compensated. So that kind of sent hockey Twitter into a little bit of a tailspin. Don cherry is a divisive figure. There are those that absolutely adore him. There are those that over time have grown a little bit tired of him, but he is nonetheless a huge figure in the world of hockey. Just look at the Carolina hurricanes and their merchandise. (laughs) So, this was something that shocked a lot of hockey fans and ultimately it was denied by uh, cbc.ca through the hockey in Canada, Twitter account and Cherry himself and Cherry going on to say that he was a little bit hurt that Simmons didn't contact him. So <laughs> in all of this, what, what were your thoughts on the idea of Don Cherry not returning? And then also, I guess uh, the, them coming out and denying that, that he wouldn't be returning.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in in Quebec, uh, the you know, he's he's uh, not well liked outside of (laughs) Quebec, particularly Western Canada, still extremely popular and adored, as you said. So he he can be polarizing. Um, I think this is just some shoddy reporting uh, by by Steve Simmons, uh, who who could have done the easy thing. He was after all, he, he he was just speculating. Um, yeah. He could have um, made the call to Don Cherry. Don Cherry said uh, they were friends. That that um, you know he he would have accepted a call. He could have um, you know answered uh, Steve Simmons' question. Toronto Star, honest to God, is the worst newspaper um, anywhere. <laughs> um, the, now the only and 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 certainly you know he caught um, Cherry off guard and 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 all of that. But it was easily extinguished after as you said, there was a, a firestorm on uh, social media. Um, I, I think whatever you, are feeling about Don Cherry, you can't argue with the fact that he's one of the most patriotic Canadians. Um, his support of the military is, uh, second to none, his support yeah. of first responders. We have, uh, on staff, uh, three active duty, military, uh, military, uh, we're proud of that. And, uh, we're proud to see uh, Don Cherry speak so positively uh, about them. Um, speak so positively about uh, uh, the young prospects as well. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing I'll say, and and this is not uh, this is not me, this is not based on anything I know. Uh, if if to give Steve Simmons kind of a bit of the benefit of the doubt, could this have been um, a strategic leak? Um, by you know, as you said, Rogers. There's been lots of cuts. The Bob McCown, um, uh one. He's a, a big personality on the radio. Didn't go down all that well. Um, yeah. Was this kind of a trial balloon by by Rogers to to see what the reaction would be? That's the only way I can I can uh, kind of excuse what Steve Simmons uh, did on this.
1: Yeah, and it it, it would. Just it was interesting timing because we are coming off a year where we saw the farewell tour of of Bob Cole. So I think everyone's mind went to, well, if they're going to do that for Bob Cole, wouldn't they almost certainly do that for Don Cherry to, to announce before the season that it would be his last. So I think that's where a lot of the people uh, and a lot of people that love Don Cherry, that's where their frustrations were. If this were to actually be the case. And uh, I think that you might have a, a good theory in that they might have just been, dipping their toe in the water and seeing what exactly the response would be if that were to happen. And, uh, and perhaps if it doesn't in, in the coming years, then maybe they'll do it in a way that they just did with, with Bob Cole. And, uh, and yeah, but that, that, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting theory nonetheless, but, uh, yeah, it seemed as though from the, uh, from the beginning that it might not actually have been, uh, at least on, on Simmons part of, of, of this, it might not have been uh, the case from, from the beginning. It just didn't, it didn't seem like it was something that was going to happen, at least not to me. So uh, we'll, we'll see though, if uh, in the coming years, anything comes of that. Um, So we also had an interesting bit of news that came out. So JJ Daniel, former assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens, He was introduced as the head coach of the Halifax Mooseheads of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And he had an interesting response when asked about Carl Alsner. I guess you could even say not even really much of a response when asked about Carl Alsner.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh, and just for, uh, for those that, that, that maybe don't follow the cue um, uh, the Halifax Mooseheads are owned by Bobby Smith, former Montreal Canadiens, uh, Bobby Smith. Um, they had a, they had a great season last year in the queue. Third best records, regular season record. They, they, um, uh, were runners up to, uh, ruin Miranda, the Huskies in, the the Q's uh, president's cup runners up in, in, uh, the Mo- Memorial cup and their head coach, Eric view went off to be the assistant coach in Syracuse, um, with, uh, Benoit Gru. Um, so they, they needed a, and, and it's, it's funny cause it's been a bit of a ro- revolving door as far as the head coaching position in Halifax. Um, yeah. ever since Dominic Deschamps left in, in another Canadians connection there, uh, in 2016, 17 season, they've hired a head coach every si- single year since uh, a new head coach. Yeah. Um, so they looked to J.J. Daniel, and they said in the news release that that in the press release that uh, it was because of his resume and and look on paper, his his, uh, you know, uh, uh, an NHL defenseman, his his connections to, um, you know, playing on the same team as Mary Lemieux and Mark Bergevin. And, um, and so uh, I, I guess that's understandable, although, you know, some might question his communication effectiveness and we saw that with the Canadians um but you know um he was he was on um um 690 radio and and um uh asked about being fired and he said he was he was quite sour about it and, and uh, for about 6 weeks um and then um actually an all Habs alumni uh Joey Alfieri Um, yes we do we do transition a lot of uh, of our staff uh, to the mainstream we're a good training ground for that Uh, so Joey asked um, um, what do you have to say about Carl Alsner and um, you know rather than he's going to be a head coach use your cliches you be politically correct he uh, for whatever reason JJ Daniel couldn't do that and maybe he blames Alsner for his firing I don't know uh, but Daniel said, "You know what? here this is quoting. Uh, quote, "You know what? It's probably the one player I don't want to talk about. That's Alsner. I'll just be straightforward with you guys. Carl is not a player that I don't have much to say about Carl. And wow, <laughs> did, did Did everything explode after that? Um, everybody had all kinds of theories about what he was getting at. Yeah, and that's just,
1: that is a little bit uh, – it, it's funny to hear about how sour and potentially bitter he is about that whole thing because Carl are not really getting and understanding Claude Julian's coaching system could potentially play a, a role in why things turned out the way that they did. At least that's my read of, of things here. So him joining and now being the head coach – of the uh, Halifax Mooseheads, That is a very interesting uh, development and and not really responding when asked about Carl Alsner.
2: (laughs) And, and and let's just say, you know, people were questioning, Oh, if, if Alsner had a bad attitude, false, absolutely false. Even in, in Laval, Carl Alsner was an had a great attitude, was an excellent teammate, was an excellent mentor, Um, whatever difficulties that he and Daniel had, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have spilled over and, and, uh, and, you know, I, I had a negative effect on the team. Carl Alsner is just not that kind of guy.
1: Yeah. And he comes across that way when, when you see him after games, when you hear comments from him, he, and even after he was signed by the Canadians in, in the beginning, he he came across that way his entire time. So yeah if any any kind of ill will would most certainly only be in one direction, and that would be coming from uh, from Daniel so uh, but but regardless still a very funny uh, <laughs> a funny story to hear as he uh, is now headed off to the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, and you so, know,
2: yeah. the, being in in the the queue, uh, that the the road travels a little bit different um, when you're traveling, other than the first class charter flight that yeah. being in the Montreal Canadiens organization. So you might understand why he's a little bit sour. But no yeah. need to blame yeah. Carl here. No,
1: no. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, we'll move on. We're probably going to take our uh, first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast, but still to come. We have the fallout from the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet, and we have three quotes, three statements from all parties involved that we're going to dive into and take a look, as well as some thoughts from Elliot Friedman, and maybe just do a little bit of, uh, of myth-busting here on the Canadians Connection podcast. So that's all to come after just a quick break, and we'll be back discussing all of that.
0: We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas: sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
1: And we're back here on the Canadians Connection Podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe whale 19 You can follow Rick at All Habs. This podcast has its own Twitter account at Habs Connection. And, uh, and of course, you can visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, we are talking once again. I know that some people are a little bit annoyed by all of this, but we, we have to talk about this, don't we?
2: Well, there was there was news made um, uh, during the week, um, and uh, I mean the, the the topic of the failed offer sheet isn't isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, when you look at my DMs, you look at the Facebook replies, you look at um, I mean even people I I, I and mean, talk to text messages on the on the Rocket Sports uh, text line five eight five Rocket. Uh, it's all about the offer sheet and and part of this is because um you know mark bergevin clearly said in his presser there is no plan b uh when he was specifically asked uh about uh, a plan b he said um uh, no this is our attempt and if not we still have a very good hockey team this is it um so he has given uh, his fans really nothing else to talk about. The, the, the off season additions have been a little bit underwhelming. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it also it's not because this is um, a Canadian story, but it's also a story across uh, the NHL you know, everybody that, that we talk to uh, connected to other teams, they want to talk about the offer sheet, the failed offer sheet. Uh, as an offer sheet hasn't been tried in six years. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and lastly, I think it's because, uh, it's, 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 it really hits a nerve with Canadians fans. Montreal Canadians have had a, a hole at the one C position for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> um, you know, in, in 2012, when, um, May 2012, that's when Mark Vergevan was hired. He, you know, uh, right from the beginning he committed to fixing that issue and 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 hasn't um and and i think this failed offer sheet's going to be a a a big part of his his legacy when all things are said and done and so it's it's something that keeps uh that has legs and keeps creating news and and uh we had more of it uh this week absolutely
1: we did we had all parties involved in this offer sheet released statements. And of course this came after. So the hurricanes announced their intention to match the offer sheet the day after, but it didn't come a fit, become official until they, they took the seven day period that they, that all the time that they had so that Montreal couldn't do anything else, which I guess would be a tactical decision on their part, just to exact some sort of revenge against the Canadians for attempting this. But regardless, when it was matched, all three parties released statements about it. And and the Hurricanes came in a press release. So there are statements from Tom Dundon and President and General Manager Don Waddell. I'll start with Dundon, who says, I'm just relieved that it's done and Sebastian's not going to have to worry about this anymore. He's a great player and a big asset for us. I'm so happy for Sebastian and so happy that he's a part of the organization. Then you have uh, Don Waddell saying, We said all along that we would match any contract offer. It should come as no surprise from anybody that we are matching it. Sebastian never wanted to leave Raleigh. So you have that come out from the Carolina Hurricanes. From the Montreal-Canadian side of things, they released just just a smaller, just a little bit of a smaller statement. In tendering an offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo on July 1st, our objective was to add a talented young forward entering the prime of his career. With Carolina matching our offer, we wish Sebastian and the Hurricanes all the best. So just kind of going over the facts and just a nice, gentle, warm wish for Sebastian Ajo and the Carolina Hurricanes. And then, of course, the player himself, Sebastian Ajo. I am grateful for the offer from the Montreal Canadiens, but it was always my hope to return to the Hurricanes as a restricted free agent. I had limited options for moving along the process to get a deal done. It was always important to me to be on the ice for the first day of training camp. This entire situation has been difficult for me and my family and I'm happy it is at an end. We have a young and exciting group in Carolina and I can't wait to be there with my teammates and get to work. I love it in Raleigh and I am thrilled that we can continue what we started last season. So, There's a lot to unpack there in all three of those statements. Um, But I I just wanted to get started with the last one that I read, the Sebastian Ajo statement, which was really interesting for me. And I look at that and and you see him say, as a restricted free agent, I had limited options for moving this process along. And it was always important to me to be on the ice for the first day of training camp. I think that we're looking at a situation where You go back a year, the Toronto Maple Leafs are dealing with William Nylander and trying to get an extension completed. And that's hanging over them for the entire first half of the season. They don't get that thing done until, what, December. So that's a distraction for the first half of their season. And then the second half of the season, because he didn't play in training camp, he was not very good. He only had 27 points in 54 games, which was well below his, you know, his 61 points that he put up in the two previous seasons. So I think RFAs, if you're entering restricted free agency, you're Sebastian Ajo coming off an 83-point season, you look at William Nylander as a little bit of a horror story, and a lot of that would be because of the fact that he missed training camp, and he wasn't in and around the team. He didn't ramp it up and get to the level that all the other guys were, for William Nylander... He didn't ramp it up and get to the level of all the other guys. So I think this, if if Mark Bergevin has opened the door for rival GMs to table offer sheets, then Sebastian Ajo has potentially opened the door for more RFAs to try to seek that out and actually go in and, and, you know, because as he says, he's got limited options. It's not as though he's on the open market. He is an RFA He's restricted to, you know, his team. At least, you know, you can talk to other teams, to rival teams. But generally speaking, it's not been something that's been done. So in this case, if you've got Mark Bergevin that's maybe opened the door for GMs to start doing more of this, you've got a player in Sebastian Ajo who said, well, I know that my options are limited, but I want to get this thing done and get back to to training camp and not have this hang over the Carolina Hurricanes and myself the way that it did last year with William Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that was a really interesting part for me.
2: And I think, uh, from what I'm getting back from, from, um, the various, uh, uh people in hockey is, uh, the worry is that, that Mark Bergevin has opened the door for agents. Um, yeah. and, and not necessarily that, you know, I, I don't, I don't see there being more, um, offer sheets, uh, from, from teams, but, but, but using them by agents and, and, um, because as, as you said, and we said last week, uh, RFAs have very little leverage. Uh, but mm-hmm. in this case, um, you know, uh, and, and Ajo says it quite clearly, this was his path. This was his way of moving negotiations along he and his agent. And it was a way of making sure, ensuring that, uh, he would be at, at training camp. I think uh, I think that point is made uh, quite clearly.
1: Yeah. And so I guess when you look at the statements from the month the the statement from Montreal to me just reads, as, "Hey, well, it was fun, wasn't it?" So <laughs> I mean, you've got a statement from the Carolina Hurricanes who are obviously thrilled that Sebastian Aho is going to be back, and then the Montreal Canadiens who, as I said, just kind of said there was just kind of a bullet point thing of everything that happened over July 1st, over the course of July 1st. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to unpack from the Montreal Canadian side of things, but from Carolina's perspective, you're looking at Tom Dundon and Don Waddell and they send a message. And Waddell said it in his, in his quote, that they said that they were going to match any offer for Sebastian Ajo. And they did that. And on top of that, just yesterday, they signed who, a guy who is probably one of the better free agents that's still available, Ryan Dezingle. So on top of just getting Sebastian Ajo and matching that contract, they go out and they get a guy like Ryan Dezingle as well. You know, there's, you know, the Montreal Canadiens thought that they were a team that could be had by this offer sheet, but evidently that wasn't the case.
2: That's, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, we, um we're seeing a lot of things on um social media um and and it's clear that uh from the fan perspective um the the issue of offer sheets is poorly understood and it, and it's not not only not only is the the the, the, the mechanism uh poorly understood but um i think um, the, the NHL and it is such a different culture. The culture is under is uh, misunderstood by fans. They don't necessarily understand that it's not the same kind of business environment as, as, uh, as they're used to um, uh, yeah. let's just say that. Um, so you get all kinds of, of m- myths out there. Um, and uh, I mean, some of them are, 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 you know, quite, quite silly really um, um but 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 it, it's just a, a a lack of familiarity and a lack of understanding and and um you know uh there's been a lot of criticism we we talked about that last week uh kind of unfair criticism of the carolina market the carolina fans the carolina franchise and and uh, the ownership as well and and as you said uh um you know they've made some some significant they were a very good team last year um and uh, uh they they made some pretty good additions uh in the offseason and 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 should be a team to be reckoned with again this this season
1: yeah so i mean and there was an interesting point as well where you say that there's a lack of understanding of offer sheets but but also earlier you said that this could be a tactic that's used by agents to expedite the process a little bit with their, with their clients. And something that was pointed out on Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts podcast was the Montreal Canadians could have had the initial interest in another client of Jerry Johansson, which was Braden point of the Tampa Bay lightning before they went with Sebastian Ajo instead now you've cited a couple of different interesting points from that podcast uh but but what of what of those points is is the most interesting uh for you
2: Well it's it I I think um if you go back and re-listen to uh what we said last week um on uh the 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 podcast we termed uh a fiasco <laughs> and you can get there you can get the, you can find it easily. Just go to CanadiansConnection.com. You mentioned the the uh, um, uh, website CanadiansConnection.com. That will take you to a direct link uh, on All Habs Hockey Magazine that will allow you to to listen to any of the um, uh, podcasts that we've recorded. Um, and uh, you know, last week we kind of uh, talked about. Um, all of these points. And, and, and uh, still, we saw some, some of these myths through the week and, and, you know, um, um, uh, was it about, was it about ego? You know? um, No, of course not. Um, You know, this isn't Tom Dundon didn't sign um, uh, this contract uh, to, uh, in some sort of knee jerk reaction to protect his manhood. You don't get to be a, a multi-billionaire by making those <laughs> kinds of decisions. Was he insulted uh, that that um, the Canadians thought he didn't have the money? Of, of course there is a personal element, but, but it was all about ego. No, that's just, that's just silly. And, and when we're, we're, we're talking about being cash poor, uh, Dundon's uh, net worth is uh, I, probably about double that of the entire Molson family. So, Um, and, and I know there's a difference in, in revenue and whatnot, but, but this was always going to be matched. Um, you know, the other kind of things that, that were mentioned, um, uh, was about the the reaction, um, uh, to, uh, the other GMs to, um, uh, Mark Bergevin and, uh, Paul Holmgren, um, Sammy retired this week, um, um taking a uh, an advisor role after being the president of of the uh um uh of philadelphia flyers and and um even um even in a, a piece that was kind of chronicling his his history and his impact with uh with the flyers he had been a player head coach scout general manager president he had he had done everything mr flyer uh it said um Um, the shea weber offer sheet was unsuccessful and engendered resentment around the league Um, and you know it's it's uh, we can go back to an earlier quote from him saying that that um, the one of the reasons he stepped out of the general manager's chair because he sensed that other uh, gms didn't want to deal with him um, and, and it's hard to do, uh, uh the job when there's bad relationships. Um, yeah. I posed the question to someone connected to, um, uh, an Eastern conference team and, and, uh, said "Are you know, our, our attitudes softening, our attitudes changing, um, about, uh, offer sheets in the NHL. And the answer was a pretty firm and blunt, absolutely not. um, uh, you know there was uh, there was a rumor that oh what just watch that uh lou lamorello he's gonna yeah. he's gonna do an offer sheet and uh, you know elliot friedman uh, you mentioned his uh, 31 thoughts pro- podcast he threw cold water all over that as a as a yeah. silly rumor um but but the podcast itself was very interesting and you mentioned um and, and it, it kind of, as I said, validated uh, many of the points that m- we made last week. Um, it, he, Elliot contends that, that um, uh, Braden Point, as you said, was, was uh, the Canadians' first target uh, for an offer sheet. Uh, but Point just made it very clear that, that he's a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning and he would have no interest in, in signing a Mark Bergeron uh, offer sheet. So door number two was, uh, Sebastian Ajo. And, you know, we had, uh, we had Carolina offering, um, eight years at 7.5, uh, or they were, or they would be okay with a one year. What they didn't want yeah. was the term five years. Ajo countered at, at, um, five years at 9.5. They ended up in the middle. Uh, but it was that five years that was key. That was, that was the 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 term that allowed Aho to be ushered into free agency. Obviously, something Carolina did not want to do, and that was the sticking point. That's why, and I mean, you know, why why didn't um, 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 Carolina offer more if it was so easy to offer more? Well, it's a negotiating tactic. It's yeah. um, you know, if you're concerned about term, you you. Uh, Uh, cut down elsewhere. And, and that was, that was the negotiating part. Um, But Ellie went on to say that, that, you know, he, he pointed out that um, Bergevin is, is always very passionate in defending the moves that he makes almost to, well, not almost, he's been defensive in some of the pressers, very defensive Um, and, and, and kind of jumped back, snapped back at, at uh, the reporters. Uh, Friedman observed that, that um, when uh, Bergevin announced the, the uh, offer sheet, the, the presser that he had, he was rather ho-hum in the whole thing, um, and, and then coming out with a really tepid offer um, uh, that, that uh, you, you, you combine the, the tepid offer with a really lukewarm defense of why he was doing it, wasn't emotional about it um and Friedman says that that he believes that Mark Bergevin was conflicted about whether this was a good plan or not um that and, and especially that that um you know the fallback position as I mentioned earlier the plan b was um you know we have if this doesn't work out we have a good hockey team um so um it 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 seemed to him that that um Mark Bergevin never really had his heart in this um, offer sheet, which is which is uh, an interesting point to make. Um, yeah. and, and maybe that's why the 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 um you know the offer was was uh, um kind of a toe in rather than diving in and was was deemed so weak. Um, uh, Friedman went on to say that that he loves the loves that an offer sheet was played primarily for the news value. Um, and he talked about how, and you'd know you'd know this better than 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 I. But at a time when the NBA was getting all the the headlines and the attention, he called it crazy town. Uh, Friedman did in yeah. the in the NBA that <laughs> that this was the one uh, story that kind of pushed back on that. Um, and he loved it for, uh, he said it was great for, for hockey fans to have something to talk about in the off season and to counter this, this, um, this NBA. And and, and I mean, no, there wasn't much value for the Canadians in it, but, but, but value as a, as a journalist saying something to cover and, and for fans, he thought this was great. Um, that's kind of the reading you got as well.
1: I think, I mean, he was, yeah, like you said, when he said that this was good for the game, it was exciting. I agree. I was I was really excited about this because I thought that, you know, it's not something that we often see. It doesn't usually work out. But like I said last week, the Canadians are in a, in a unique position where this was something that they could have pulled off. But as Friedman said, and as we said last week, Montreal didn't put all their chips on the table. And that's something that you should probably do. And if his insinuation in the podcast that Bergevin didn't really have all of his heart in this, if that is true, and I, I think there's reason to suspect that it is, because a lot of, as you said, he's, he's usually pretty defensive of the things that he does. And at, it seems as though when pressed on the issue, when pressed on why he didn't go to the next tier of, of, of uh, you know the two firsts, the second and the third, he didn't really have an answer. He just kind of said, oh, we, we did numbers and things and stuff. And, and you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Bergevin, not really a math guy, as, as according to Stan Bowman, not necessarily his strong suit. So maybe that was a reason why there wasn't a clear-cut answer as to why they didn't go to the next tier. But his answer wasn't necessarily that – wasn't necessarily one you would expect from Mark Bergevin, given what we know about how he responds to questions about – the moves that he's made. There was a little bit of fire there. I think that Friedman might undersell that a little bit, but it wasn't as much as we've seen in years past. So that was the interesting part of it to me. Yes, there was obviously initial excitement, but yeah, Bergevin, it didn't seem that all the chips were put on the table. They didn't go all in on this. And also, yeah, it it wasn't quite as fiery as we've seen out of Mark Bergevin over the last, well, I mean, his entire time. (laughs)
2: No, it wasn't. And, and the direct quote from Freeman, Friedman is, "I got the sense that Bergevin's heart was not in it. Was not all in it." Um, yeah. So you mentioned about the and, and 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 yes, we we talked about it last week. It, the this was a one pronged uh, uh, attack, let's say, uh, on the on Carolina about the the front end, the front loaded bonus, um, soft on the AAV, soft on the compensation. There was three pressure points that bergevin had at his disposal he used one of them um so uh, you know yes it was it was um it, he didn't go all in um and uh, then uh, friedman went on to talk about uh bergevin being worried about the compensation amount being given for for aho um and um you mentioned the next level compensation is two uh two first the second and the third if you went all the way um and uh, yeah. that's the, that's the four first rounds, which I don't even think anybody was was mentioning that. But but the next level compensation, at least uh, both in terms of the return and the AAV, causes the the Carolina Hurricanes to pause. Uh, why he didn't do that? Interesting theory by Friedman. Very interesting. Um, it's something that we did not come up with uh, last week. Um, he said. I, uh, and quote, I think what happened with Ottawa terrifies people. Uh, yeah. The league is such a crapshoot now. Uh, teams uh, teams are expected to make the playoffs, don't. Uh, teams who are expected to make the playoffs don't, and teams not expected to do. So it's it's kind of a a, a, a crapshoot. So um, Bergevin, he claims Bergevin was terrified of getting that number one center that the team we've talked about that the team has lacked for so long and then failing. Um, and it's fascinating what he's saying because it's kind of Bergevin's not, it's more protective of himself than being committed to winning. Um, yeah. and he said that, you know, the only guaranteed to, um, have that player for five years, that could be a pretty impressive five years, but only guaranteed to have that player for five years. Yeah. Um, but right now, uh, fans have lots of different targets uh, with respect to the Canadians not having a cup. Um, they blame Bol- Molson for not spending to the cap. They blame free agents not coming to Montreal. Uh, they blame taxes. They blame Alsner, they, blame, they bl- There's a list. There's a long <laughs> list. Um, yeah. But once he gets, you know, if, this, if he had gone all in, um, once um, Bergevin... Acquired Aho, all the spotlight becomes focused intensely on Bergevin. Um, mm-hmm. And Friedman said that, you know, that that he was he was terrified of that, almost terrified of the success, um, or or lack of success when, when it didn't work out. Um, you know, Mark Bergevin's uh, heart just wasn't wasn't in that whole thing. Um, they, talked about, uh, the they talked about the podcast continuing. They talked about that that the Canadians were really spinning this hard. Um, yeah, you know, partly as a PR stunt that that it covers up the fact that, that not, nothing much had, had happened, um, uh, and and the other part was um, you know Mark Mark Bergevin played heavy that that Aho wanted to be a Montreal Canadian. And that didn't, wasn't coming from all that was coming from the agent. And it counters the fact that, you know, big time player Tavares and, and Stasny had turned them down in the past. And so they just wanted to kind of counter that with, Hey, here's a young star who wants to come to Montreal and whether it works out or not, he was interested in coming. Um, I thought, I thought that was, that was quite interesting. Um, as well, part of it we had we had uh, certainly mentioned uh, last week, and uh, you know when I say that, that um, you know all of these things are things that that uh, um, we had mentioned last week. Do I think that that Elliot Friedman listened to our podcast and then put together a podcast? <laughs> no, don't know. I I don't. But what it says, what it clearly says, is Elliot Friedman is talking to some of the same people that we're talking to. Yeah. Uh, and that's why the, that's why the uh, reporting is, is rather consistent that way. Um, as the, in the podcast, they went on to say that, that um, not necessarily ego, but it, but that Dundon was insulted um, yeah. by the fact that he couldn't afford to match. Um, and, and then talked about that, that Dundon approaches uh, uh, business differently, that he puts a business values a business value on things, and he doesn't like to exceed that value. Um, that Dundon likes to run a lean operation, particularly his fun o- front office, his coaching staff, his scouting staff, uh, his support staff. Um, and and Dunden has said that that compensation is not in sync with the private se- sector. But what the fi- what the Canadians failed to kind of um, analyze in all of this is there's a difference between your supporting staff. And your your, your talent. Uh, the yeah. Canadians didn't differentiate between the two and thought that, that uh, Dundon didn't um, value his talent. Um, and and uh, as Friedman said, Bergevin learned very, very clearly that Dundon highly values his, his uh, uh, best player. Um, for Carolina, it was, um, you know, as... For Carolina and for Ajo... Uh, the situation's over, and um, uh, it, it's not going to turn into a kneelander a, a situation. And both, both Waddell and Ajo uh, said that. And, and um, lastly, um, uh, I guess Friedman said the lesson in all this, um, and he, this is a quote, if you're going to jump in, with respect to the offer sheet, jump in, don't tiptoe. Uh, jumping yeah. ahead first um not no half measures like like the Canadians attempted you can 't be half hearted as Bergevin seems to be and 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 for this stuff you've got to be committed to winning and you really need a spine um yeah so i, I thought it was fascinating as i said it 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 uh uh certainly validated um everything that we had said last week uh on the uh, Aho fiasco podcast
1: yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting things there to uh, to discuss, but you mentioned, you know, you need to, to jump in here, and, and actually, if you're going to do this, do it to the fullest of your capabilities. But the initial point that you mentioned that was interesting was, was Friedman's theory on all of this, and the the part that, you know, he was worried of the lack of success that could come from it after committing the compensation and the money to Sebastian Ajo, that part of it, I, I, I can't wrap my head around that specific part of it, not Friedman's theory, but why that would impact Mark Bergevin, you know? And, and I think that just goes back to you, you mentioned it, you hit the nail on the head when you said that this is someone that's valuing his own security over, over winning and getting a 21 year old player. That's about as sure a bet as you can get. If he's just got 83 points, He's, he's going to get better. He's not going. This isn't getting James Neal. You're not the Calgary Flames signing a guy near his 30s to a to a big time deal. There's usually a little bit of risk in every signing that you make. But an RFA signing a 21 year old is a very different ballgame than we usually see. So this was, you know, I, I can't quite understand why Bergevin would have been scared off by that part of it. I understand his past failure or shortcoming and Carl Alsner in that contract. But like I said, it's a little bit of a different story when you have a guy that's nearing his thirties, as opposed to a 21 year old star player, best player on his team that just picked up 83 points. That, that to me, uh, again, I'm not questioning the theory from Friedman, but if, if he believes that would, that would deter Bergevin from going all in, I can't understand that from, from, Canadian's
2: um, yeah, I th- I, I, yeah. I think it. Yeah, I think it speaks to kind of a change in in uh, Mark Bergevin. Um, uh, it, it speaks to a fragility of 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 uh, the way he's managing things now. And and we know that when he came in, um, he was micromanaging everything. Everything he yeah. had a, a, a and and overriding. He 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 just wouldn't listen to uh, to anyone, and and it led to a number of people. Uh, very good people leaving the organization um, and now he seems a bit gun shy and is is worried about uh, the blow black, blowback and how that's going to affect um, uh, his his uh, tenure his future with the Canadians and and uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating theory um, by uh, by Friedman and and uh, certainly one that um, you know Uh, seems to fit, checks a lot of uh, the boxes to explain the kind of behavior we've seen.
1: Well, in spite of the uh, the, uh, unfortunate uh, matching of the offer sheet from the Carolina Hurricanes from the Montreal Canadiens' perspective, Bergevin has done some things. So we asked the question, and we're going to get to that after our final break. With Bergevin adding Sherrod, Cousins, Kincaid, and Trading Shaw. Are the Habs a better team than last season? That is our question of the week. We've gotten some responses on Twitter and and, and Facebook, and we will be getting to those after our final break of the Canadians Connection podcast. So we will come back with the responses to the question of the week after a quick break.
0: The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites, Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at AllHabs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Log in to allhabs.net, your year round resource for anything habs related. That's allhabs.net.
1: And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can visit our website, canadiansconnection.com, and find all of our episodes of Canadians Connection, all the 41 previous, and uh, and this one as well. So we threw out the question of the week, which was, with Bergevin adding Sherratt, Cousins, Kincaid, and trading Shaw, are the Habs a better team than last season? And we've gotten uh, quite a few responses to this, and uh, the one that, I've uh, I've retweeted a couple and uh, one of them comes from Etienne who says at the moment Habs are better mostly because they have a healthy Weber, more stable D the young players have more experience and price is ready from the get go. Fingers crossed emoji, (laughs) but I'm worried about the other teams who have improved more. I hope there's more moves coming. I think that's a very important thing to add. There's that, you know, not all the teams are coming back looking exactly the same. There's some that have that have improved, not only in Montreal's division, but in the Metropolitan division as well. So that's something to look out for. Uh, you have uh, Chris G who says, I think the Habs are similar to last season, which isn't necessarily a good thing. A lot of players had career years last year, and it will be hard for them all to reproduce. And you have a couple of, you have C.J. Kassel saying, I do agree that they are very similar to last year, like the upgrading goal – and hate to lose Shaw, who is a leader. Other teams in the conference got better. Habs didn't. That said, still better to be patient with their prospects rather than add overpriced UFAs. Uh, And then you have Stuart Brooks saying, I think Shaw hurts them. Offense league-wide was up last year, and Habs have one of the youngest forward groups in the NHL, so the players placing career years should just continue. Habs have a lot of players who should be much better this year as well. And then Dino, I think things have a way of balancing themselves. Yes, totally agree. With certain players, had career years, but then there are players that will give us more, like Cut Kinyami, Leckin, and Druan. Uh, and and points out Cousins and Wheel as potential sleeper players. And uh, those were all responses to Chris's tweets about uh, or Chris's tweet about having guys who could uh, reproduce a, a, another career year or you know top that. And then you have Adam saying it depends if Paling and Suzuki can make an impact. So you have a lot of people that are saying that the Montreal Canadians are basically the same, the wild card being their young players. And if Suzuki and Paling can make an impact, I think that there's, there's a significant, uh, you know, you could be optimistic about this. There's, there's an optimistic view of things where potentially you have those one of those two guys that breaks through. I mean, Ryan Paling did have four goals in his first game, but it'd be a lot to ask him to uh, to do that on a consistent basis. So uh, yeah, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I personally, I think, you know, those responses. Uh, the one that hits the nail on the head for me is you look at around the conference, around the division. Teams are getting better. You know, the New York Rangers went out and got Artemi Panarin as well as drafting Capo Kako. That's going to be interesting. New Jersey. They went out and got ban, That's going to be an interesting team to watch. So, yeah, and Jack Hughes as well. Uh, so it, it's interesting. There's a lot of layers to this. I think that Montreal might be just about as good as they were, but there are other teams you have to consider.
2: Well, talking, about an, yeah, talking about an optimistic view on Facebook, Uh, We have somebody telling us that Joel Teasdale is going to replace uh, Andrew Shaw's offense. Now now that's optimism in your, in your youth. And, and, and I should say, uh, um, make sure you join the conversation on, on Facebook, our fan page on, on uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, Just search for All Habs and you'll find us there with, um, I think we're, we're well over 40,000 uh, 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 subscribers there we've got uh, almost 70,000 followers on Twitter so uh, we've got a good representation of the the Canadians fan base from all over the world um, and um, you know personally I you know I thought Chris made some good points there um, uh, Shaw's going to be out so uh, his offense will be ha- it will have to be replaced on defense it's kind of a wash um, yeah the positive is that that Weber uh, will be healthy right from the start of the season, um, you know. However, uh, the Canadians were relatively healthy, um, re- relatively injury free. Last outside of Weber, we relatively injury free, and no guarantee that that can be repeated. And as many have said, uh, lots of players had career seasons uh, last year. Can they replicate? Um, yeah. And and yes, other teams are are making moves <laughs> to uh to get better uh, so we have Mike Gauthier who says and Mike Gauthier is is one of our top fans on the All Habs uh fan page um he says based on everything they've done so far I'd say they're basically the same uh Kincaid's numbers last year as a goalie were pretty much as horrid as Niemi's Sherrod is marginally better than Ben the other guys they sign aren't as good as Shaw um but so on paper, they're no better off, really. And actually, with the loss of Shaw, you could argue they are worse. Uh, the only hope, and it's a big hope, is prospects. And the, hopefully that the young guys can continue to improve. I personally think Bergevin has done a poor job this offseason, especially compared to last year. Hope he can swing a trade, because even with our youth who aren't likely good enough to make the playoffs. I talked about trade, and lots of people are um you know uh, very hopeful about trades and and uh there were some trade targets listed on t b r and one of those was Shane gostaspeer and uh we have an interview coming up uh on from the press box on tuesday i won't tell you how it turned out, but there's some um uh, I, I, I guess we got, got a bit of news on Shea beer. You might want to listen nah. to From the Press Box on Tuesday. Let me <laughs> do, do that as a teaser. Yeah. Um, Mike Leochi on uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook says, I think the Canadians are slightly better uh, team, but are an eighth or ninth team in the East at best. Uh, a lot needs to go right. Kincaid needs to prove that he can be a great backup. Price can't have a heavy workload uh charade is a slight upgrade over Ben. paling will be good the uh he doesn't mention joel teesdale uh the (laughs) biggest question mark is is duran he needs to step it up and can't disappear like he did in the last half of the season yeah that would change a lot (laughs) (laughs) so that's uh that's what we have on facebook
1: yeah so i guess with all of those responses uh with reading those responses and getting a little bit of a, a glimpse into what Habs fans are thinking, would you like to recruit some potential, some writers, some podcasters, whatever it might be to, uh, to join our team because there's some good thoughts out there.
2: <laughs> well, we have uh, a fabulous team, uh, a yeah. wonderful rocket sports team. Uh, we've had a very strong team, um, for the last 10 years. And, uh, John Lewis has, has said, and he's, he's said it more than once. Uh, if, um, if you're a member of the rocket sports team, we know who you are. And as yeah. I said, we've, we've graduated, uh, uh dozens of, do- we're, we're just short of a hundred now, um, of our former, uh, writers to the, the mainstream media spot. So, um, we've got, we got folks from all walks of life, um, we've got uh, uh, accomplished on-camera reporters we've got degreed journalists we've got some journalists who are in progress or communications professionals like yourself doing a great job um, We have an Emmy nominated producer um, we have uh, folks that are, are just longtime lovers of the game of hockey and, and, and passionate fans and and uh, uh they're appreciative of the platform that that we provide to to give them a prominent voice on 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 this. Um, so if you want to add your voice, um, we're, we're we're happy to uh, uh, consider you if you know we want people who are are dedicated, uh, we want people who are are passionate it it's It's not easy. you know the the folks who have been with me the longest. Uh, have very busy lives. Uh, They, they, they manage their own uh, jobs, some multiple jobs and, and then contribute to us uh, as well. And, and um, so if, if uh, you want to, you feel that you have that passion, that devotion, that commitment, that loyalty um, uh, we're glad to take a look at you and you can uh, go to allhabs.net and uh, find the uh, join our team tab. And uh, we'll ask a few questions, submit your, uh, your resume. Uh, tell us why you want to join such a fabulous, talented team, uh, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll certainly uh, take a look.
1: Absolutely, it's a it's a great team here at All Habs, the HL report, wherever whatever Rocket Sports Media branch. It's it's fantastic, and uh, I worked. Of course, I, I might have it might have come up a couple of times, but I covered the St. John's IceCaps in their last season in St. John's then the Belleville Senators with the AHL Report. So I, I, I was well-versed in the, uh, the AHL and covering that side of things for a couple of years, and now was uh, lucky enough because of that to be hosting this podcast. So there's just plenty of opportunity uh, if, you, uh, if you're interested in, in joining, and, and I've gotten to do some great things, such as just hosting this podcast on a weekly basis. And uh, and obviously going to the NHL draft as well. That's something that I've I've been lucky to do and fortunate to do for the, for the past two years. And of course, uh, with the AHL report, inter- interviewing coaches Sylvain Lefebvre, players. That that was phenomenal. And, and as I can I can attest to the uh, the great leadership and the and the mentors that exist here uh, with Rocket Sports and, and all have so. If you are interested in joining, that's—I would certainly recommend it. And, uh, and Rick, I think—I uh, think that is a, a very well put together recruitment pitch. I think you would do a great job as an NHL general manager with free agents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we—I uh, guess we'll—we'll we'll wrap this thing up for another week, shall we?
2: <laughs> yeah, and and just uh, uh, listen, whatever your summer brings, um, uh, enjoy your summer. Uh, maybe you're going to the Bell Center uh, to 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 see a concert this week. Maybe you're going to yeah. see the Backstreet Boys or Def Leppard, uh, but be sure that you take a, uh, us along as well. Um, we'll have all the information you need, some in in uh, easily digestible capsule form, uh, so that you don't miss anything. Or if you're you're um, out working in the yard and going for a drive, you can take along uh, the Rocket Sports or Radio uh, family of podcasts. Uh, to to listen and and uh, whether it's the Canadians connection this podcast from the press box uh, every Tuesday we have new editions of have a listen and Habs unfiltered um, you've got a complete package there to uh, uh, fill your your uh, leisure time in in the summer and, and uh, we're happy to, to stay on the job and and give you all the information you need to know
1: absolutely and and as you said there's some great obviously uh, some great written work that's being put out on allhabs.net, as well as our family of podcasts that you mentioned. Uh, this very is Canadian connection podcast. You have the uh, from the press box podcast, have a listen and has unfiltered. And you can find all of those lovely podcasts on all of your favorite podcasts and platforms, overcast Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google play, what have you just search for rocket sports radio and hit that subscribe button. You get all four of them. So Rick said, uh, "This is uh, this is going to be a, an interesting couple of weeks. I think that I mean, people are holding out hope that Mark Bergeron makes a move. Like I mean, last year, right before training camp, he went out and traded Max Pacioretty. Maybe, maybe there's something up his sleeve that he's been working on. Hopefully, there's something that we can uh, that we will be able to talk about next week uh, that we can uh, have on this podcast that will be airing uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2:30 Newfoundland time." And we'll be talking to you then. What? We'll have to see. But we'll be talking to you nonetheless. And, uh, and we look forward to doing that. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast. And we'll be right back with you next week.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Add Connection and visit allhabs.net.